0: This is the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who might have missed the sermon can catch it later. This sermon was from January 14, 2024. We had a guest speaker named Linford Weber, and he spoke about Jonah. history and then a little geography before we get started, I asked the question to myself, who is the people of Nineveh? They were a wicked people given to superstitions, national distress in a low state of empire and disposed them to listen to the warnings from God. The arrival of a foreign country and a strange prophet whose particular history they made to have been heard before was calculated to effect then the Spirit of God worketh and when and where he wills. Geography, in case you don't know where Nineveh was, it's the oldest and most populated city on the ancient... Assyrian empire situated on the east bank of Tigris river and today it is the modern circled by the modern city of Mosul Iraq now I think I'm saying that right it's M O S U L for you scholars In trying to come up with a title for this, Jonah, and into Matthew, I realized, (laughs) going back to school, 55 years, that pop quiz, the info given, listening to it, and there's some kind of action There's an action of doing, writing, saying, but there's some kind of action involved in that. The test, the learned information versus the knowledge base and your flaws will be exposed. Exam, a chance to prove that the information given and your actions are the same. put my, uh, what's the word I want, meanings to this. Final grade, the results of the information are given. So pop quiz, the information given, listening, and the actions, it's a verb. Let's read Jonah verses one and two. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of the Amirithite, saying, Go and arise, go to Nineveh and the great city and cry against it, for the wickedness is come up before me. Well, you know, he got part of it right. But did his wires get crossed? Did he miscommunicate? Did he not understand what God was telling him? The party got right, he got off his duck, and he went, but he went the wrong direction. He went to Tarsus. He didn't go to Nineveh. Something wrong with his thinking there. And I've pondered that for a while our number two enemy, and people might disagree with me, is the devil himself. Because he can only be at one place at one time. He's not on, p- omnipresent like God. He can only be, he might be bugging Jerry this week and Jeremy next week. But you get the my, the picture I'm trying to paint. So what is the main person that was bothering Jonah, himself. In other words, his own sinful nature, his own indignation of having to go to a, a city and teach to them and have them repent. He knew that, as Rhonda read in chapter four, he knew that's what was going to happen. But his own self-righteous indignation, he did not want that to happen. So he goes the other direction. And interestingly, Tarsus is about 2,000 miles, if I read my scholars books, right, from Nineveh, it's quite a ways. So the test is I, the learned information versus the knowledge base, and it, the flaws are exposed. Now, I'm not going to read Jonah 1 through 3 through 16, but you all know the story. He gets it on the ship. They pay his fare. Now, boats are much like trucking. They Their commerce that they haul is what they how they make their money and it's how they survive. And they do that from going from port to port to port, swapping commerce, delivering it to whoever, and then receiving commerce to go to the next port. That's how they make their money, that's the thing they have to do. But sailors are not known to be a gentle person. I don't know if you've ever been around any. I'm not talking to your part-time people. You know, I'll, I deliver at the port in Baltimore, we pick up there, I should say. And I look at some of them guys, and um, they're pretty r- r- rangy-tang looking people. They're not a gentle type of people at all. But if you notice, they took their commerce, they took their load and they threw it overboard to try to save Jonah's life. That was their pay for that week that they tried to do that with, to try to save him. Finally, they cast lots. And it ended up on Jonah. And they said, who are you that you are? The one we, the lot landed on. And he told them that he worshipped the almighty God. And it put fear in him, but they still cast him out, put him in the water. And the thing that's interesting to me in that verse is, Those sailors apparently knew something, whether it was from Jonah or being at a port somewhere, somebody witnessed to them or something, because it says they made oaths and sacrifices to the Almighty God. How did they know that? These guys are out in the water all the time. So something happened in that boat. The exam, a chance to prove the information given and the actions are, are the same. In Jonas 117 to 210, he was swallowed up by a whale. You know, it wasn't no Hilton Hotel. He had rotten fish floating around him, seaweed around his neck. And it would have been kind of a gross, ugly ride, I would think, for three days and nights. But there's one thing about it. If you've ever been at the Rehoboth, you get hit by a wave and get rolled up into the dry sand, what happens? The sand sticks to you like glue. (laughs) And I think of that of Jonah when he hits the dry land when the whale vomited him up. So not only did he stink, but he was stuck with sand. (laughs) And then he gets up and goes and preaches. So you might say he was a stinking prophet at that point in time. The final grade, the results of the information that are given. I want to turn to Matthew 12, 38 to 41. The certain scribes and Pharisees were answering, Master, we would like to see a sign from thee. Then he answered them in saying, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to them, but the sign of the prophet of Jonah will stop. You mean to tell me, after all that Jonah had been through, he was still called by Jesus, a prophet? Talk about an example of unconditional love from Jesus, our God. Because it says in the beginning of Jonah, he left the presence of the Lord. Now, how can you be called a prophet and leave the presence of the Lord? I think it's rather easy if you think about it. God's everywhere. But it's your mental attitude. It's your being is not where it should be mentally towards God. So, in, when you hear someone say that they left the presence of the Lord in the Bible, to me that's telling me that they are either running from God or something's off there in their witness. Let's go back to it. For Jonah was there three days and three nights, in the bellies whale, So the Son of Man had three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this nation, and they shall condemn it, because they are repented at the teaching of Jonah. And behold, the greater Jonah is here. Someone greater than Jonah is here. Jesus was basically telling them, I'm the Messiah, if I read it right. But through the years, I have been in court, not necessarily because of my doing. And one thing I've watched is the jury hears the arguments for or against of what that person is being charged with. I'm proposing that Nineveh is the jury. The reason I say that, just follow my thinking. The jury hears these arguments, they make the the decision, and the decision then goes to the bailiff, which would be Jesus Christ. If Jesus knows them, whatever they wrote in that piece of paper is gone. It might have some of the sins that they did on it. It might be all of them, or it might be none, if they're not guilty. Then the, Jesus takes it to the Almighty God. He looks at the paper. If it has Jesus' blood on it, they're gonna hear one or two phrases. Well done, thou faithful servant, or depart from me for I never knew. You. That's gonna be the sentence. In thinking that over. It would be hard to be put in hell for the rest of your existence knowing that you had a chance if you didn't listen to the Jesus knocking on your heart and let him in and the mental anguish anointing, knowing there's no return because you're on the other side of the life that we know of now. And that's very, very sober. Their conscience will be no more. But yet they will have the memory of Jesus knocking on their heart's door. And that, to me, would be torment, to know that somebody was knocking on my door, and I didn't do something about it. So my question is this morning, are we like Jonah? Are we running away from him at times in our lives? And If you feel the Lord, I'm going to back up. I missed part of my sermon. I just realized it. Twenty-some years ago, I was working, and Rhonda knows who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say his name because of reasons of confidentiality. He tried to tell me we were living in hell as he saw it. Now, this is the best it will ever get and we didn't have much time to discuss that i thought about it for a period of time we met again and he's one of those people that if you have a conversation here a year or two later you can pick up right where you left off i loved that about him and i shared with him just briefly what jesus had done for me and that As a result, I knew we weren't in hell because I was still having a reaction with Jesus Christ in my heart, in my being, and he was making a difference in me. But then, after about 12, 15 years, we separated ways, it's been that long since I've talked to him. I don't know where he's at anymore. I don't even know if he's alive. But I also know we have a podcast and a recording that goes out. So to finish my statement that I wasn't able to tell him at that point, here's what I want to tell him. God can make it that he comes across it if he's still alive. Here's what Jesus is to me and also God. He's my Emmanuel, Comforter, Peace of Peace, Prince of Peace, Healer, King, Ruler, the Alpha and Omega. He's my rock, my fortress, the almighty companion. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's my friend, but most of all, he's my savior. And I hope he can hear that. (coughs) Last week, Jeremy preached a little bit on evangelism. I've done a lot of thinking. I'm not gonna open the pulpit up this morning. If you wanna come, you can come. I'm not gonna deny that privilege, it's always open here. But I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads just for a minute as we pray. Lord, I just ask you if there's anyone here this morning that is either running from Jesus or struggling in some way Help them to realize that as long as they have life, there's a chance of making it right. And if there's anyone here, make themselves known to either Jerry or Jeremy or one of the council members. In your name, amen. I just wanted to leave you with one more thought. How do you know something you're dealing with is from God or from the devil, other than the personal light? Look to see what is eating on you. What I mean by that, if you're a drug addict, you're gonna lose weight, you're gonna have all kinds of complications. If you're bitter, it's gonna eat you from the inside out. And that's the way the devil works. Christ restores, he brings you back to life, he renews your life. And that's all I have to say this morning. listening to the Trussler Mennonite Sermon from January 14, 2024. Take care.